Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice. KMOX. We want to play. We are ready. That is the... Maybe he was listening to the Mike Schultz show. I don't know. That's what Yadier Molina just posted on Instagram last hour. We want to play. We are ready. Well, we'll, uh, as Bob Costas uh, was quoted as saying recently, I'll believe it when I see it. The Cardinals, that wouldn't be, uh, I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. There are a lot of things happening in our world right now, and we have our focus on them, and we are going to do it now. At 11.07, here is someone who I thought last week during the Garage Happy Hour was someone that we needed to hear from, that we needed to see that we needed to uh, tell us from her perspective. And this is Jackie Joyner-Kersey. This is how I introduced her from my garage as she joined me on Facebook Live. Yeah. Oh, Long I know. Time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're live. So that little uh, that little thing you see up in the upper left-hand corner where it says live. So we're live. Hi, everybody. Uh, I have an amazing guest. You can see her. And while we are... Um, about I'm going to retweet <laughs> that we are here, and I am so, so happy that she is with me. Uh, she is named by uh, numerous publications that I, I, in particular, remember Sports Illustrated uh, for Women named her the greatest female athlete of all time. Uh, ESPN named her top 50 athlete of all time. Uh, she is, for me, St. Louis. She is one of our own. She is a six-time Olympic medalist. She won a gold medal three times, and it spanned over four Olympics, 84, 88, 92, 96. She is Jackie Joyner-Kersey. What an absolute thrill to have you on the garage. Welcome to my garage. In the garage. Oh, oh, glad I, to be in the garage. In the garage. I love it. Um, I, I'm so happy you're with me. We've had some great guests from Kenny Wallace to Kurt Hunziker to Chris Pronger to Ozzy Smith. I like yeah. to mention them because uh, they, they really have helped us uh, show grow Sterling K Brown. What a, what a oh, oh yeah, wow. Uh, yeah. St. Louis and Emmy Award winning actor and Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, and now Jackie Joyner Kirsten. <laughs> it's um, it's so great to have you on the show. And first of all, how are you? I mean, you look great. I, I love <laughs> your smile, and I feel like uh, we need your smile right now. How are you? You know, I'm, I'm doing well. You know, and uh, just staying up, prayerful, and you know, and hopeful and but uh through it all that i'm a healthy family's healthy and 
uh, doing well. Yes. Well, you do look great, and uh, I'm glad that you're healthy and glad that you're feeling well. And uh, I know that our hearts um, are are hurting right now, and, and we have um, a lot of reason for that. How, just before we, and, and I want to I want to tell people that uh, this is this is still the garage happy hour. I mean, we are going to have a nice conversation. I, I brought my beer. I've got an Incarnation <laughs> Ale. I do. Oh, you know, and you know this uh, how. You know, when you have a sponsor like we do over at Door Company of St. Louis, you want to make sure you, you get them in there, and they have been awesome. They really they put their themselves behind this, and for seventy nine ninety five, you mentioned the garage happy hour, you can get maintenance on your garage door. My garage door is right above me. Thanks uh -huh. to that, in top shape. We can okay. set that up for you, Jackie. If you like. <laughs> um, but uh, I am going to crack open my beer and chat. But I I, I know that. Um, this is a difficult time, and, and I do want to talk about everything that has happened um, over the last several weeks. First, just uh, your thoughts on, let's start locally. And I know that on Monday night, that was a very, very hard night to see um, a peaceful protest turn into violence in the city. Just uh, how are you feeling about everything right now, Jackie? You know, uh, oh, it was... Uh heartbreaking, you know, uh, saddened by uh, the actions that uh, that took place after the peaceful protests. I'm all for people protesting, but destroying people's property and uh, people um, livelihood, things that they work for. And even though we know materialistic things, but, you know, uh, during this real, real difficult time that I am hopeful and I and to see so many young people out there and uh, to you know to speak their truth and to uh, to protest in a in a, a very uh, peaceful way, but then also to see so many people from all walks of life coming together, you know, and 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 eventually we will we will get through this, you know, and it's going to be some difficult days ahead because. Uh, it's, the protesting is going on, but people want to see change, and that is going to take time, you know. And and so, as long as their voices are being heard and you start to see change, but I'm not for um, people destroying other people's property. I understand the despair. I do. I really do. And this unrest, you know, it's just unfortunate during this time while we're also fighting a pandemic, you know, and. Uh, and so, and hopefully, uh, we, and when I say we, I'm talking about all people, we all can come together and uplift each other and, and, and to start to see, uh, the changes start to occur. I think it's very important, uh, that we listen, that we all listen and that we help each other out to understand each other. But most importantly, that we understand, uh, what the black community is going through right now. Uh, that we listen to everybody, that we understand that this is not just the last few weeks. This is not just the last few years. This is a long time of, of feeling this tension. In fact, I think you could say that you could talk to somebody who is going through this right now, who is black, and say that for many years they have felt like underneath they weren't able to say something. And uh, that's that's a very difficult thing for them to, to have to have gone through as well. Oh, yes, to, to feel that uh, 
you have to be suppressed. And when you're dealing with uh, being oppressed, you know, and, and recognizing and understanding that uh, you, you, you want to hear me, but then with the unrest, now you see me. But then how can we all still come together and uh, make change, make positive change? And uh, because when I watch on the television to see so many of the, you know, the young people, I mean, just standing up and, you know, and even with some of the dialogues that I'm just asking people, some young women that I know that have sons and, and that uh, the image of George Floyd, you know, for eight minutes and 46 seconds, you know, uh, it, it just breaks your heart, but uh, it has brought us to this point. And there's still a lot of work that we have to do as, as, as far as listening, pulling people together, agree to disagree, have the uncomfortable conversations and be honest. And, and, and let's try to see how we can grow while we also work on allowing the people to work on uh, the changes that need to occur. But I do feel that uh, we as people have power too when we go to the uh, voting box, you know, you know, we galvanize, rally, and encourage uh, those who are unregistered to vote, get registered to vote, go and vote, and just not doing uh, the presidential, but also in the primaries, and, and just making sure that uh, this too shall pass, but this too we shall not forget, and that that's very important. Right. Uh, I think that we don't want in a few weeks from now for a news cycle to change and for all this to be, well, go back to the way that it was. I, we, you know, we can't go back. We, we are we are moving forward and it's going to take everybody. I'm white. I don't understand. Uh, I, there's no way that I could understand or walk in your shoes, but I want to and I want to learn. And I want to understand. I grew up uh, with the privilege. I grew up with a head start. Um, and I think that that's something that I think will help solve this problem, that uh, people like me can learn, can open mind, and can not, not forcing people to change their views, asking mm -hmm. them to learn and to think differently. Oh, yes. And, and, I, and I think that's uh, what you could see the crossroads is people coming together and, and um, you uh, peeling back the layers and then just like you said earlier, listen. And then how can you learn? And then I can, you know, we learn from one another, you know, because uh, when it's all said and done, we all have to live in this nation as well as in this world. And uh, there's no better uh, judge and jury, you know, than God. So, you know, uh, we talk about love and, and, and forgiveness and, but when it's all said and done, we still have to sit down and, and, and listen to each other and, and have those conversations that, uh, that you might not think that's important to you, but it might be important to the next person. When people talk about diversity and inclusion, well, what do they really mean by that? You know, and uh, how can, you understand that if I'm walking next to you and you cling to your purse, you know, how that make me feel or you're in the grocery store and, you know, and you decide that I'm going to go a different way. I mean, just different things. And I, and I really do think that uh, 
we uh, we can learn a lot from this, unfortunately, you know, but um, the unrest uh, have brought us all to think uh, differently, but also from the standpoint of understanding and learning more. That when I step out the door, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about how people are going to perceive me walking into a store, like you said, or, or, or driving down the street or uh, heading to a ball game. Um, you know, that, to understand the, the mental uh, stress that, and physical stress mm-hmm. that that does put on an individual uh, and that has happened for a long, long time, Jackie. I know that, um, that that is something that is very, very important to understand at this time. That, that, and, and I, it is going to take time, but it's going to take not just us uh, doing it, but teaching it. And yes. Not, racism isn't, you're not born with it. No. Um, it's something that um, is acquired over time and teaching our children, which you have done uh, for a number of years, uh, working with young people is uh, a high priority right now, is it not? Oh, yes. It's, it's been a priority. Uh, it's a part of my DNA uh, to, be able to, be, to be able to have the Jackie Jordan Casey Center and to have created a curriculum out of my autobiography, A Kind of Grace Called Winning in Life, dealing with 14 different principles and how I could see this curriculum really being a connector you know, we utilize it at the JJK Center and throughout some of our, uh, with some of our partners throughout the, the community. But my goal is to have it worldwide, but nationally, how can we scale it? How, you know, because we look at this being, you know, also a revenue source for the foundation, but it's more than that. It talks about uh, when you talk about risk and risk taking, you know, what do that look like? You know, and how can you have self-respect? when you see that others won't respect you, but dealing in in those dialogues and understanding uh, what you're dealing with in those particular times, because growing up and what I had gone through and um, just trying to really, you know, make my parents proud, but not understanding the real struggle that they had gone through, you know, because you look at us as adults and then you're working with young people, we're all are dealing with trauma and don't even know we're dealing with trauma. You know, you don't understand why you're exhausted. You know, because you're always fighting the battle. And fighting the battle for me is finding ways that I can help our young people be the best that they could be. Jackie, that's, uh, you know, an ongoing thing. And and I'm not sure uh, how long it will take. But I think that if we dedicate our lives to it and make it part of our lives, it's it's our duty uh, as as. you know, you and I, let's say in particular, have a platform. And I looked at Instagram. Okay, so social. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how active you are on social media. I but I gotta get better. <laughs> you're 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 awesome anyway. Uh, and people are people are gonna uh, put this out on social media, and and it certainly is a way for us to connect. And but I'm. I looked at Tuesday and I saw the blackout Tuesday. So Instagram, um, people were posting at just a black square uh, to show unity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's not enough. And it's also, you know, I think right now 
people aren't really sure what they want to say just yet. Some people are not, you know, like if I'm silent, is that wrong? Is that, is it right? What is the correct thing to do at this time? When I post a black square, is that what, is that what I was supposed to do? I think that using that opportunity to promote um, black owned businesses, um, efforts, ways that you can further the cause and the message is really what that is all about. And really what this social media platform is all about is to connect us. And I think that that's something that's really important and that's happened this week. And um, I, I'm certain that you will start to feel that even though we're going through a lot of pain right now, I am still hopeful and optimistic that good days are coming, that this is the week. I'm hopeful that this is the week that is going to propel that into an amazing run of uh, togetherness. I really do. Oh, yes. I, I do believe, you know, better days are ahead and that, uh, but history is so important and is never to forget as we do move ahead. And so you don't want to see things being repeated, but we have a generation of, of young people that to hear how their spirits are beaten down and, you know, even dealing with a virus that they rather go out here and protest peacefully and know that they have fought and died for something that they truly believe in looking for that change. So yes, we all have a platform and it's how we use those platforms in uh, speaking your truth, uh, protesting peacefully, but also bringing people together. Because when it's all, to me, when it's all said and done, you know, it just can't be black and brown. It got to be all of us. We all have to work together. We absolutely do. I, I think that that's uh, something that we'll continue to talk about. Here's uh, Carol Daniel, our dear friend, jumping in saying, I'm on the air, but sneaking to watch my friend JJK. Did she ever feel insecure as a black woman growing up? And how did she overcome it? You know, it wasn't that I felt insecure. I was faced with a lot of challenges and, and, and a lot of times shielded from those challenges. But uh, I was never told that I couldn't be the best in this, that I couldn't do anything. But uh, I know what it feels like when to be discriminated against or when uh, people will write things about you and call you uh, that this is later in my career that you look like a monkey, you know, and you don't know where that's coming from. But to me, it was all a part of trying to tear my spirit down. And so with my family, you know, we strongly are our strong faith, believing in God and, you know, and this shall pass, but it becomes part of you and you know that those things exist. So that's why when I was coming up to read about Wilma Rudolph and to have her as a role model and, and to see, uh, how far she had come to be a, an Olympic champion, but then to go back and couldn't even eat at the at the counter because of the skin, the, uh, the color of her skin. But through it all, she encouraged me, and she was never bitter. Bitter, and so I think that there are times when people are self-doubting and not believing in themselves. That's why we created the the Winning in Life uh, curriculum. You know, uh, so young girls and young boys can have confidence at a very young age 
you know, that they can set goals and and they know what it, the work ethic, what it would take to be the best, you know, in whatever field they're trying to be and surrounding themselves, you know, around people that will uplift their spirit because that negativity can seep in there so quickly and it will damage your self-esteem. But for me, I've always... I didn't have to be the prettiest girl. I didn't have to have the fanciest clothes. And my mom and dad would always tell you, you can't keep up with what they call the Joneses, you know. But uh, I do believe that believing in myself, working hard, and having a strong faith truly made a difference. Yeah, you weren't getting the, the new shoes every week to run with. Oh, no. Or <laughs> running on the top of the line tracks. You're running off in fields. No. And dirt, you know. <laughs> You know, that's like sometimes you realize how, how blessed you are where you could change shoes with every outfit, right? And then the next mm -hmm. person next to you don't even have uh, a pair of shoes, you know? And so uh, just growing up and just knowing that I was surrounded around real good people, you know, that would always encourage not only me, but so many of us. And But I also know that I, I, I dealt with people that, that's insecure. They don't believe in themselves. And to me, I'm always encouraging them to, uh, we got all these devices now that I, I think is very important, but it's nothing like writing in a journal and being able to see where you are today and then continue to write and to see your growth. And then all of a sudden go back and reflect, you know, so that was, that's something that I have always believed in doing. You were, uh, 14 years old in 1976 when the Olympics was in Montreal and you turn on the TV to watch and Evelyn Ashford was competing and you looked at Evelyn Ashford and said, she looks like me. She wears her hair like me. Um, I can do this. Isn't that right? Oh yes. Because I started running at the age of nine. I wasn't one of the best girls and uh, didn't really know what I was doing. Coach Nino Fanoi was my coach. And and then by the time I turned 14, uh, they would tell us to watch the Olympics because you had heard different stories, but being able to watch it and then to see a young lady, a young girl, really, because she, I think, was probably in uh, a freshman at UCLA, you know, and they had put the university at that time. And then she would wear her hair in cornrows. That's how I was like, whoa, you know. And just, but she was a sprinter and it was just uh, amazing to see her. And then also to see uh, a young Nadia Kamenich, you know, like, wow. And she's 14, she's at the Olympics, <laughs> you know. And, and we didn't have a track cause I didn't really know. Uh, we ran, you know, in the park and everything. So we were make up uh, our track, but then to be able to see on a world-class level you know, like, wow, you know, because every time we would go to a track meet when we were young, like every track is like, oh, this track is bigger. And the coach said, they all the same size. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> That's Jackie Joyner-Kersey. She is tremendous. You can hear that entire interview on our Facebook Live a page on KMOX Sports. You just go to the KMOX Sports Facebook page. It's all right there. You can go to the KMOX Sports Twitter account. It's all there. It's from Thursday at 5.30. We do the garage happy hour every week right out of my garage. She wasn't there. She was on a split screen at her home. But Jackie Joyner-Kersey from East St. Louis. 
and just an amazing ambassador for the city of St. Louis and beyond for America. Uh, she is uh, an Olympic hero, and we are thrilled that she was able to join us on the Garage Happy Hour this past week. I would encourage you to visit the Jackie Joyner Kersey Center online. Um, the Jackie Joyner Kersey Foundation can be found at jjkfoundation.org. That's JJK foundation.org everything is there you can learn how to sponsor to donate to volunteer and you can learn about their cause you can sponsor a child uh, a student athlete or, or someone in the area of academics and learn about the way that she helps kids here in the st louis area and beyond chase their dreams she is remarkable jackie joiner kersey thanks so much for being with us here on kmox we'll take a break and when we come back we're going to hear from cardinals president of baseball operations john mosaylock it's 11 30 sports on a sunday morning and don't forget coming up at noon more cardinal baseball it's game five of the 2006 nlcs the series is tied 2-2 cardinals and mets at bush stadium it is a great listen for your sunday afternoon back in a moment on kmox from KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Still awaiting word on Major League Baseball as to when it will pick back up. Mike Schilt telling us he's heading to St. Louis to start working out with a number of players. They will keep these workouts, of course, uh, socially distanced, but they are starting to bring some people together to St. Louis. You can go back on the Radio.com app and listen to that. It's available. It will also be up on our Sports on a Sunday Morning podcast page. James O'Sullivan's very diligent about getting those up online right away. He's outstanding. He's our producer here today. Cole Duggar is behind the glass, working hard, getting ready to produce Game 5 of the 2006 NLCS that will be on the air at noon with Chris Raby's pregame. The NHL, we're still waiting to hear official word on when that gets going. The NBA is getting a lot closer. They've uh, told teams about playoff seating. It's going to be based on winning percentage. They're going to go to the Disney Complex uh, the ESPN Wide World of Sports. I actually did a tournament there myself with Mizzou. They played in a in a uh, basketball tournament there, and we did our games in that arena. So it's freezing in there, by the way. It's like like fifty degrees. I had to wear a jacket <laughs> doing the game in there. Anyway, uh, it's a it's a nice arena, and it's right there in the Disney World, and that's where we're going to play out the rest of the NBA season. Uh, a pair of Florida-based NBA head coaches, Eric Spolster of Miami, Steve Clifford of Orlando, spoke out yesterday about their hopes that the league's visibility will be an asset again in the hope for actual social change following the death of George Floyd. Spolstra said he doesn't think anyone's ready to move on, and we shouldn't. Clifford seems convinced that the league's players and coaches will take some sort of action when the season resumes. Uh, the only African-American driver in NASCAR's Cup Series, Bubba Wallace, is expressing his own frustration that so many drivers have been reluctant to speak out concerning the outrage over the death of George Floyd. Wallace said on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s podcast that a few drivers, a very few, have given their opinion on the day's matter and that he appreciates that. But Wallace says the silence from the top drivers in our sport is beyond frustrating. He says NASCAR thinks everybody, everybody thinks... NASCAR thinks redneck Confederate flag racist, Wallace said on Dale Jr.'s podcast. He said he hates it because he believes 
the NASCAR can be so much more. The IndyCar season began yesterday. Five-time season champion Scott Dixon took the checkered flag at Texas Motor Speedway. Fourth win at the one-and-a-half-mile highly banked oval. 39-year-old New Zealander Dixon raced to his 47th career victory and matched A.J. Foyt's record of 18 seasons with a win. That is really something. Dixon finished 4.4 seconds ahead of Simon Pagano, and uh, that's uh, some accomplishment. My gosh, 18 seasons with a win, matching the legendary A.J. Foyt. Congratulations to Scott Dixon. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll catch up with John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations. And then don't forget, noon is Cardinal baseball, game five of the 2006 NLCS. On the home of the Cardinals, KMOX. KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Cardinal baseball coming up at noon. The Cardinals and the Mets, game five of the 2006 NLCS. That was some series, wasn't it? John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Great to have you on the show. How are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. That was some time back in 06, 83 and 78 going into the postseason. Cardinals found out they were healthy and strong, beat the Padres, as you and I have talked about, and then engaged in that epic seven-game series against the New York Mets. We're at Game 5 today. I call it the Chris Duncan game uh, because he takes uh, takes him deep in that game, a rookie pinch hitter. Uh, we miss him a lot. He was some individual, wasn't he? Yeah, obviously, uh, Chris and his his father, Dave, uh, the family meant a lot to me. Um, Obviously, uh, spent a lot of time with with Dave throughout the years. And, um, you know, clearly, uh, you think back to to the tragedy of of losing his wife and Chris's mother. And then, of course, Chris um, having his demise as well, which was very sad. But, you know, feel lucky that the Duncans were a part of my life and and got to know them and... uh, something I'm always grateful for. We will air that game coming up at noon today. Game 5 will run through the NLCS Monday and Tuesday with games 6 and 7. Then we'll take a break on Wednesday and get into the World Series in 2006 starting on Thursday. So we'll have you comment next Sunday on how that one wraps up. That one was a lot of fun, too, against the Detroit Tigers in 5. You know, I think, actually, I want to comment on it now, if that's okay. There was some... Was there some pressure to get the job done at home, knowing that you'd have to go back to Detroit for six and seven. It it was an amazing day, but to win game five at home, how special, my gosh. Well, we were lucky because both, uh, both in, in 2006 and 2011, we got to, to, to celebrate at home in both of those cases. So, um, certainly like wonderful moment because you know, the, the very next day you're, you're in your city and uh, a day later you're doing a parade. So uh, really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you certainly would prefer to not have to get on a plane, not have to go and, and, and try to, to win a game on, on not your home field. So yeah, it was, uh, there was definitely some pressure. No, just an amazing run. And 2006 heard right here on KMOX from now through next week, every game from that NLCS and World Series. Of course, it gets us missing baseball, John, and, and we've talked about this each and every week about the state of the game and where it is. 
I'm not sure we've advanced too far, but, but again, we're only hearing what's getting leaked out into the media in terms of these negotiations. But so far in the last week, we've had a reported player proposal uh, on Sunday afternoon um, that has been rejected by management. Not really sure where we go from here, except that it does appear that time is really ticking loudly, isn't it? Well, the clock's definitely ticking, um, and, and so trying to to extend the season past the, the normal deadline, I think, is something that you know clearly both sides can't come to an agreement on. But you know, really, as much as I want to talk about like will we get back to baseball or not, the uh, the initial focus for for us here at the office right now is the draft, and and so you know, looking back and thinking back to to post seasons. Um, in years past is fun, but right now, like all of our energy is is, is on what's going to happen Wednesday night and Thursday, and you know, hopefully, uh, sometime this week we hear some good news on, on perhaps baseball this summer. So my fingers are crossed. On June fifth, two thousand. So that was about twenty years. Ago, that was twenty years ago. A couple of days ago, the Cardinals chose a high school catcher from Puerto Rico. His name is Yadier Molina. In the fourth round of the amateur baseball draft, Mark Tomasic, who goes by Retro Simba on Twitter, posted this the other day. He posted this quote, With his arm and catching ability, he's fairly well advanced, said Cardinals Director of Scouting John Mosellock to the Post-Dispatch. Turned out pretty good, didn't he? It really did. Um, you know, I, I remember our, our area scout at the time was a, a gentleman by the name of Steve Turco, and Yachty was playing in an American Legion tournament that summer and had a Turk go see him. And I, you know, sometimes when you, you have these like follow-up calls and I was asking him like, um, you know, what he thought. And he just jumped to the point. He's like, Mo, give him whatever he wants. And uh, really good advice. Um, certainly glad we were able to get that deal done because, you know, obviously uh hall of fame career, um, special talent in this in this organization and, and one that uh, when you think back of all the nuances in a draft and, and you know I think of two people Albert Pujols and Inyadi or Molina where you know you, you could have perhaps not signed them just because of you know economics of what was going on at the moment and think how tragic that would have been so you know this is one of those cases where this year is going to be a lot more unique because we only have five rounds. And, and so every pick, uh, I feel like has a little bit uh, more importance, if you will. But um, certainly when you look back at, at somebody like a Yachty and, and how much he's contributed to this organization and the brand, it's, uh, it's really a, a great story. It's exciting to think. I, I'm trying to remember which year it was. If it was 01, which I know he played rookie ball that year, or 02, which was his single A year where Somebody told me you got to go to the backfields and see Benji and Jose's little brother. He's in the organization. He's he's really special, and he looked really good then. Little did we know he would turn out to be one of the greatest catchers of all time. And it's also hard to believe that was twenty years ago. But anyway, I'm I'm fascinated with this. Once these five rounds are over, and you just alluded to it in this conversation, that it is. It's going to be something like we've never seen before that I can't remember where there will be a lot of players available out there beyond the, those five rounds. How do you go about, how does baseball go about 
uh, organizing that beyond the five rounds of the draft, John, where, where there will be a number of free agent players out there. Yeah, so basically after that, there'll be a, a 48-hour quiet period, which means the organization can't have any contact with passed over players, meaning players that are now free agents. And then once those 48 hours are up, teams can pursue any of those players that are available, can sign as many as they want, um, but bonuses cannot exceed 20000 So obviously you're somewhat limited on, on clearly what you can spend. And the other sort of threshold question is, do you have places for these young men to play at some point? So, you know, one of the things that we're trying to, to really sort of arbitrage is if we bring somebody, if we try to sign someone, it's almost like, well, then someone else might not be able to um, stay in the organization. So it's a little bit of, of math and, and something that we want to be like very conscious of as we go. Uh, clearly, you want to give everyone a chance or like a fair opportunity should they join the organization. And so, you know, Flo and his group will present in terms of individuals they think they could get done at that dollar amount. And then we have to just decide is that an upgrade or not. So this this next couple of weeks will be really busy, but, um, you know, certainly uh, nice to be focusing on, on true baseball issues than uh, maybe over the past couple of weeks been a little quieter. I bet it is. It's something that you love, truly love. And it's something that uh, how you broke into this business, isn't it, John, is identifying players to help grow an organization. Yeah, it's it's so so yeah, my first responsibility with the Cardinals was in the amateur scouting department and you know, I think back to those times and you know, how different and how much the game has changed in terms of how you make decisions and why, but there's still that sort of threshold question, do do scouts believe in players and we're an organization that that still utilizes our area scouts and and they have a really strong voice on our decision tree. And so, you know, very appreciative to, to what all of those guys have done for us. And, you know, this has been an odd year because obviously uh, ever since middle of March, all of these people have been, uh, been, been, you know, sort of quiet and not really being able to, to do their normal job. But yet we have them hammering um, video, watching it and writing up reports and I can imagine that all of these guys are glad that we, we've shut off the uh, scouting report system for, from them being able to edit or change. And now we're really just trying to aggregate it and, and understand really what uh, our best options are. Just one last one before we go, and this is a, more of a big picture question, but with baseball still in a holding pattern and understanding that uh, the world is in a, a difficult place right now, a challenging time, um, the looking ahead to 2020, uh, it, it again, what would you say to baseball fans who are standing by and hoping that the game is still strong whenever this does come back? What can you say to, to keep uh, a baseball fan positive during this time? Well, as I mentioned earlier and, and what we've discussed in the past weeks, I'm, I'm still hopeful that we will find a way to play baseball this year. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of dynamics involved. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things being written about. Our listeners are, are reading things. 
Uh, a lot of people are, are not sure if they should have optimism or not, but you know, negotiations are, are never fun to follow, especially if you're reading about them, because they're, they're, it, it's, it's usually not very pretty. Um, I always joke that like a lot of negotiations, it's a little bit like um, making sausage. You really don't want to see it, but you hope it tastes good. And my point is, is, is you know, I, I still believe that Major League Baseball and the PA will find a way to make this work. And, and as someone right now that's in a lot of ways just sitting on the outside looking in as well, um, still believe there's a chance we can do that. And um, we still have time on our side, but there's no doubt the clock's ticking. So let's, uh, let's hope for the best and let's hope that um, some decisions can be uh, made here in the near future and, and uh, we can start charting out what 2020 really looks like. Appreciate that very much. You've always been so kind to be on the show last week, talking to us at length about uh, the racial tension in this country. We've talked to us at length about the the pandemic and COVID-19, um, about baseball. And I know it's a busy time for you. And I can't thank you enough for taking these moments out here on KMOX. Every single Sunday you do it, John. And uh, it's much appreciated. Well, thank you. Happy to do it. And uh, let's hopefully have a positive week. Yes, sir. Have a great one. Good good luck in the draft. Thank you. Bye-bye. This is John Mozeliak, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.